I don't want to be a martyr. Nor I. I want to live. That is good. For believing what you do, we confer upon you a rare gift these days. A martyr's death. The cross commands you. The blood of the martyrs commands you. I wrote them down in my diary so that I wouldn't have to remember. Alright, so today we are going to take a break from our march through, well, really the English Reformation of late. And I know I promised I would do this more often, but I'm a history person and I have fun with it, so you're just kind of stuck going along for the ride. And if you don't like it, well, you won't download, and I get that, so that's fine. That's your choice, and I make my choices, and we all have to be happy with them at the end of the day. So, we're taking a break. What are we talking about then? Well, this is going to be interesting. Because this is a story you know, you may have forgotten it, but you know it, and it raises some fun little historical questions for us. And I always like, you know, picking a nit when it comes to history and theology, so let's go. Let's swing on over to the modern-day Middle East, 2015, to be exact, so we are not going that far away. In order to understand the debate that goes on around this event, you must understand that we are dealing with what is known as Coptic Christianity. Now, you may be sitting to yourself and saying, self... What incarnation is Coptic Christianity? Well, in a nutshell, it's the church in Egypt. And you want to talk about a rich history. The Christian church in Egypt has a rich history. They claim as their founder, John Mark, you know, the guy who wrote the gospel, traveled with Paul, traveled with Peter, that John Mark. They claim, he, they claim him as the first bishop and founder of the church. Which means they go back quite a ways. They would also tell you that they have never not been a part of the church, although they were separated from what would later become the Roman Catholic Church by the Council of Chalcedon in 451. The reason they became separated is they were accused of monophysitism, which is just, if nothing else, really, really fun to say. Try it at home. Monophysitism. So the Council of Chalcedon, follows after the groundbreaking Council of Nicaea in helping to determine and identify both the deity of Christ at Nicaea and explain the humanity of Christ at Chalcedon. So the the formulation that comes out of Chalcedon is what we hold in Orthodox Christianity. Um, this would be Protestantism, Roman Catholicism, and Eastern Orthodoxy would all hold to this. The understanding of what we call the hypostatic union, that Christ is fully God and fully man. So he has a divine nature and he has a human nature, both contained within him, with no mixing nor mingling between the two. The Coptics would say that they were they are not monophysites, so mono being one nature. The monophysite heresies or the monophysitistic heresies would be denying the dual nature of Christ, or in this case the dual natures, I suppose. The Coptics would say they are miaphysitists, meaning that they view the divine and human nature as becoming one somehow in Christ without losing the divinity or the humanity. If you can make sense of that, you are doing better than I am, and you are probably closer to understanding the Trinity than I am at this point, which I always tell you, the part of the part of the blessing of the Trinity is that you cannot understand it, because if you could, then you would be able to explain God, and that would be bad, because that would be, that would be a deity made in our image, and that is not good at all. Now, that is enough for some people to say that Coptic Christianity is outside of Orthodoxy, and they are not Christians. 
There are others who would say that is such a fine nit to pick and something that is so razor thin that's not worth arguing about. I think at the scholarly level, all of this is worth arguing about. I think at the practical level, some of this is worth arguing about without having a Coptic Christian sitting across from me to argue about this. I hedge on the side of eh, meaning I'm not even settled on this. So pick one. What I do think is fascinating about this, though, is these are some of the conversations and questions that have come about in history in general because so very often we don't get to choose our heroes. If we did, we'd make better choices, hopefully. (laughs) Hopefully. Um, Instead, what ends up happening is the people that get elevated are very often fallen and broken and existing on the margins of most of the conversations that are being had. We don't always get to pick and choose who the heroes are, and sometimes we have to take our wins where we can get them. Now, with that said, evaluate for yourself, make your determination. I'm not going to fight with you either way. If you want to tell me Coptics are heretics, or you want to tell me they're brothers in Christ, I'm with you either way. Now, with 2015 comes the rise of ISIS, or ISIL, depending on how you would prefer to define them. Depends on whether or not you prefer Syria, or whether, you not, whether or not you prefer the understanding of the Levant, which is an ancient designation for the Roman district of Palestine. So, depending on what you would like, depends what you are. You, now, if you remember ISIS, or ISIL, however you'd like to pray, Islamic State, I just remember them as ISIS, so that's what I go with. You remember... ISIS, that is the remnants of the Islamic Jihad that springs up after the collapse of the Saddam Hussein regime and the failures of the Iraqi government to really secure anything. Now, who you want to blame for that is strictly a political calculation. I'm not here to have that argument. You can have that argument in your living room. Enjoy. If you want me to come along, you can include me. But you know what? Until then, I'm not going to waste my time on it. So with that, they view themselves as crusaders for Islam. This is legitimate jihad. They are waging war against the infidels, which is everybody who is not their portion of Islam, which, by the way, remember there are multiple groups within Islam, the two main ones being the Sunnis and the Shiites, and a lot of that having to do with a breakdown on ethnic grounds, Arab versus Persian. Fascinating look at the racism and structural understanding of the Middle East, but that's also a discussion for another day. So, The Islamic State is on the march, and that leads us to our group for today, the martyrdom of 20 Coptic Christians. Now, at this point in late November, December of 2014, as well as January of 2015, the Islamic State is making raids in and around Libya, and in one of these raids, they round up 21 construction workers. Now, you've seen parts of the video, at least on the news. I hope you haven't gone to see all of the video because, unfortunately, it is out there. But the men are dressed in orange jumpsuits as a protest against the United States um, locking up jihadis in uh, Guantanamo Bay and, of course, sticking them in the famous American prison blaze orange jumpsuit. They are taken to the beach, they are put on their knees, and a masked man gives you his speech. If you're wondering why we call these men martyrs, here you go. O people, 
Recently, you've seen us in the hills of Al-Sham, which is Syria, by the way, and on Dabiq's plain, chopping off the heads that have been carrying the cross delusion for a long time, filled with spite against Islam and Muslims, and today we are sending another message. O oh, Crusaders, safety for you will, only, will be only wishes, especially when you're fighting us all together. Therefore, we will fight you all together until the war lays down its burdens, and Jesus, peace be upon him, will descend breaking the cross, killing the swine. Always remember that Islam actually views Jesus as a prophet, not as a savior, and they view the cross as blasphemy because God would never allow one of his prophets to be treated in such a manner. I don't know how they deal with the Old Testament and the mistreatment of the prophets there. I've never looked into it enough, but it's fascinating that God would allow the prophet Isaiah to be sawn in half, pressed between two boards by Manasseh, and God would allow the prophet Jeremiah to be mistreated and, you know, persecuted the way he was, but God would not allow Jesus to have that happen to him. It always fascinates me about the Islamic understanding. So, and then, of course, the men are ritually beheaded. You know how that goes. Now, you notice there was a bit of a contradiction there. I mentioned we're talking about the martyrdom of 20 Coptic Christians and that they had rounded up 21 construction workers. There was one man from Ghana, or Chad, depending on who you ask. I don't know. I don't care. He was not, according to testimony, originally a Christian. As the executioners are going down the line, he's listening to the prayers of these Coptic Christians as they are praying for Christ as they are being executed. And when the terrorists asked him if he rejected Jesus, he is reported as saying, their God is my God, even though he knows that he would be killed. If you ever wonder why God allows persecution, if you ever wonder why God allows the things that he allows in this creation and why there seemingly is violence against his people, there's part of your answer. I mentioned before that there have been executioners joining their charges as they are killed for the faith because they've listened to the testimony. I mentioned this during the burning phases of the Middle Ages that they began to strangle them. So I mentioned this with William Tyndale. They would tie ropes around their necks so they wouldn't be able to testify. This is why. It's a very powerful uh, testimony. It's a very powerful proclamation of the gospel that the gospel message gives you that level of peace in that moment of uncertainty. And I always remind you of this, Christian. You do not have the peace and the strength to withstand that, that trial now because you're not facing that trial now. You will be given that peace and that strength for that trial when that trial comes, which is why we are living each and every moment of our lives seeking to be faithful to God in the here and now, trusting in his power, trusting in his peace, trusting in his spirit, and knowing that no matter what may befall us, he will see us through. Until we meet again, read your Bibles. It'll do you good. Bye.